Welcome to Inside Sponsorship, the show that provides sponsorship professionals with advice, insights and news so they can maximise their commercial programmes and achieve best practice. Sponsorship these days is a well-worn path. Rights holders' commercial programs, particularly in sport, are well-established and there is lots of great advice and best practice to follow. While fundraising is a long-established discipline for many charities and not-for-profits, more and more sports rights holders have been activating fundraising initiatives in recent times to impact positive change in their communities or to help fund special projects like high-performance centres. Fundraising in sport, however, is still on a learning curve. Welcome to episode 62 of Inside Sponsorship. I'm your host, Daniel Oyston, and it's great to have you listening into the show, as always. So wherever you are in the world, whatever your interest in sponsorship or where you work, we'd love to hear from you. So get in contact and let us know who you are, where you're listening from, what you do for a job, because that way I can give you a shout out. Because in this episode, and I think it's the second one in a row, I don't have any shout outs to give. So get in contact with a quick message, just say hi, and I'll give you a shout out on the next show. Now, while I love giving shout outs, it's not actually what the show is all about. It's all about learning from others in the space. And in this episode, we have something a little different where not only do we have an awesome guest, Patrick Walker from the Australian Sports Foundation, but also Mark Thompson, Sponsor's Managing Director. And so we have a three-way chat on the topic of fundraising in sport and how it works, how it is different to, and also has similarities to sponsorship. As such, to align with that interview, Mark's latest blog also focuses on the same topic. So we hear from him first on the common philosophies which align sponsorship and fundraising for sport. Here's Mark. Mark Thompson, you're a lifelong sports administrator. How long have you worked in sports and sport management, sponsorship? Um, oh, mate, always sponsorships. 50 years. Yeah, I look at If you look at me, you'd, you'd say I'm, a, I'm almost at retirement age. But uh, The better question is how long does your career feel? <laughs> well, no, I'll tell you how long I've worked in my career. Um, how long it feels is very <laughs> variable by the day, and given I just got off a long haul flight, I'm uh, I'm not feeling very young. Um, Twenty years is how long I've been working in 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 sponsorship, either in sports or the not for profit industry. And during that period, clearly everyone develops skills, techniques, and experiences. For you, sometimes they're unique to sports. Sometimes they're applicable across all aspects of life, but. A what six seven years ago you moved out of sport for yeah. a short period of time where'd you go yeah I'd, I'd been working in sport um yeah my entire career and mostly within rugby and so I, I kind of felt like I wanted to um not be pigeonholed in that just to open up some options so I went and spent some time working in a charity so so Vincent de Paul is um one of Australia's largest charities it's a homelessness charity in Australia and I was the director of marketing and fundraising there so yeah, it was, a, it was a very interesting change for me and, and provided a really important pivot point in my career. So up until that time, your entire career had been spent in sport and using you know, marketing theory, philosophy and practice to round out your sponsorship approach to selling and, and servicing and reporting to sponsors. So as you move to Vinnie's, it's probably only natural that as you move into that space, you use what you know. How yeah. did it go when you started to try and apply that stuff? Yeah, look, I, I went into fundraising with a <clears throat> non-traditional fundraising approach, I suppose, not not as a career um, fundraiser in charity. And I, I started to apply um, sports-based storytelling uh, methodologies and, um, you know, the emotive hook and attachments positively that sport can bring rather than, you know, the, the doom or gloom negative um, storytelling and emotive. And I realised that, you know, sponsorship professionals and can become amazing fundraisers and, and that philosophy flowed on across our entire organisation and we had some really big wins over a period of time there. And as you started to get those wins, you started to look at how to apply your experiences in sport to fundraising uh, fundraising in the charitable space and using the power of storytelling. Because you've harped on about it uh, a number of times on the show about how powerful storytelling can be. Yep. A little approach started to fall out for you, didn't it? Yeah, and, and it was obviously um, the titles of my approach changed for sport, but in a, in a fundraising um, so when I sorry changed for sponsorship, but in a fundraising approach within sport, when I I moved back to the Australian Sports Foundation after my time at Vinnie's, which was a pure mould of of commercial sporting um, 
focus and fundraising focus because the ASF, you know, is a not-for-profit, um, tax-deductible gift recipient uh, for sport. And so applying what I'd learnt in the fundraising world to a sporting context using this four-step approach was was something that was really kind of my groundbreaking and and the four steps you know that I that I pulled together are all around how to tell a good story what's step number 1 so the need really my favorite <laughs> as a marketer that's where we always start the need the want or the problem so a gold star for you there thank you thank you Steve. tell us about the need how thank do you Steve. focus on that look in, um you know, as in sponsorship, in fundraising, it's it's vital to articulate a need. So, um, you know, in sponsorship, it, it might be title and opportunity um, or something like that. But by need, we're not talking about like the actual dollar figure or the fact that we need money for even, for example, it might be we need support or volunteers or, or whatever it is. But, you know, you've got to articulate that we need donations, we need financial support, we need volunteers we actually have a need to a specific requirement to take to take our organization further and it's and that's it so you've got to set the baseline the need what's the need that's point number one get it out there rather than being fluffy get straight to the point which is the opposite to when we quite often sell when we we ask the question we ask for something at the end of the sales pitch we're quite up front here why would we need to be so up front rather than telling them as you put it some of the more fluffy and and feel good stuff and then at the end say oh can we have some money why do we go straight to that well it positions somebody's head straight in the in into the the target that you're, you're trying to get them to achieve people don't have long attention spans so you're you're positioning this is what i need from you and and i need this from you and we bookend the whole story with an ask anyway, which we'll get to at the end. So we still do ask, but we actually tell them what we're asking for at the top. Yeah. Is that focus on the need and putting it right at the front, is it indicative of the fact that when we sit down to talk about this stuff with potential donors, it's not like a sales meeting where we necessarily put an hour in the diary and they've got their full focus on it. This yep. is something that charitable donations are quite often something we kind of just do on the run in between other jobs. And, we, and so we don't give it the full attention that maybe we should. Well, often these are done in campaigns. So, um, you know, we we see World Vision, right, a global charity that everybody will have heard of. And their need is articulated as being clean drinking water straight up right and then they get into the emotive part of it and then they tell you you a dollar a day helps you give that so we've covered the need yep next step number two the cause so you know the cause is the emotive hook it's it's closely linked to need or opportunity um in in a sponsorship context it might be the property you know so what are you actually buying um and what for and you know it's it's a more of a descriptive element of your story this is the emotive hook right this is we need so if we, if we put it together we need donations to help build a new high performance facility for our team that's what it is right it, it's kind of like okay cool now this is about the team this is about something i love that that's you know, you're starting to mould out the story here. In a fundraising perspective, it, it will be we need donations to send our under-12s to, you know, Southeast Asia for a, a pre-season tournament. So we cover the need, we cover the cause. As you said, somebody yep. can get hooked. That's something I love, something I can see. My team performs better. My kids or, or somebody else's kids get an opportunity to, to travel the world with sport. Yep. Step number three flows into? This is the impact. Yep. So the impact is the most important part of the story, regardless of whether you're selling sponsorship or whether you're selling f- fundraising. It's, it, it is literally where you put imagery into the mind of your counterpart um, and you, you start to get them to believe that what you are asking them to do is A, achievable, but picturing themselves actually achieving that outcome. If you can get the impact right in a story and you can get your counterpart to actually envisage the outcome psychologically they've made the contribution they've made the donation or they've made the sponsorship because they're envisaging what it's like so this is really important and in sport there are so many ways of in, in sort of invoking emotion that you can you can really put a fork in the road so basically what you're trying to do here is go do you care enough or do you have a big enough problem in sponsorship that this can solve the problem 
and you want to use the impact to tell the story to make them actually have a fork in the road to go, I want to, I want to use this to solve the problem or I actually don't care enough about the problem. And so the only solution for them emotively and psychologically is to make the donation. So when we get to point number four, which is ask, yep. it, not a foregone conclusion, but it's pretty hard if somebody understands the need, the cause, they're emotionally attached to the impact, they can see it, they get to that fork to look you in the eye and say, no thanks. Yeah, and it, it's right. And, and number four is the ask. And it actually ties back you know, to the impact parts again, you kind of reinforce it. So the impact's the ROI or ROO elements as well um, because even in a marketing sense, you've got you've got targets to achieve. We have if, to tie it to the dollars y- eventually. If you can tell a good enough story that shows that, well, your strategic outcomes are achieved by this sponsorship and, and this is what we're selling to you, you the ability to make a difference in your business or in a fundraising, the ability to make a difference to people that need it or to something you really care about. The ask is this is how you can become involved. You pay a million, you know, dollars and you get this property and these are the different things that helps you achieve that and this is how you pay the money and this is when and this is what you get or, and the same in a fundraising perspective. And you'll often see in fundraising the good campaigns will be, you know, a dollar a day helps a child receive clean drinking water for a year or $50 in a sporting context will give a new helmet to a child who can otherwise not afford it stuff like that it, it that's like tying back that emotion bringing in the need bringing in the cause bringing in the impact to ask for an actual you know result why is story t- storytelling hugely powerful and and a long form of communication in terms of how long we've been using it as a society yeah why is it perfectly aligned to sports so much why do you keep coming back to storytelling look in a fundraising um context you know sports administrators and and sports professionals and sports fans are a really passionate breed right so you you yourself you will always you will always sort of associate yourself as being a a mountain biker whether or not you stop or you don't stop you always ride mountain bikes you always race it you never retire i'm always a touch football player even though i haven't played for i don't know six or seven years or something you're never retired and that's your that's your thing right i'm always a rugby player even though i haven't laced a boot for nine years it's kind of it's my thing right and so i'm passionate about that and and you can in fundraising you know people are passionate about sport because it is a proven and perfect vehicle that has changed the lives of everybody that's ever touched it impacting social and health change in communities and the stories are ever coming and they're endless mental health exactly right and, and most people can resonate and imagine a time that they were affected by exactly the same situation you're asking for money for that's why it works in fundraising because it is personal it's emotive and it's captive what about how are you applied to sponsorship well and then sponsorship stories and statistics and and the evidentiary proof behind sponsorship success is all there right so what you're doing is you're selling a story to somebody who has a problem that they need to resolve we need to grow our business we need to enter a new market we need to um, resonate with a new audience or we need to try and become relevant to a new demographic and look at nike it's totally shifting their approach to hit a new demographic and it's worked sponsorship is is the the driver behind that and storing storytelling is the way that the emotional the visual and the fomo the fear of missing out decisions are impacted the best in terms of of accessing that sort of audience we get those four things down pat the need the cause the impact the ask we apply it well to fundraising or sponsorship what's the most important takeaway what's the most important thing in that whole process and those things that we've spoken about what what's the most important thing that people have to do or they need to understand yeah so i mean after the story is told and the, hopefully the donation and the or the sponsorship is 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 done the most important part is still the reporting and the review process no matter whether it is fundraising for sport um, or whether it's sponsorship and and you know if it's a sponsor or a donor saying thank you and or de- and delivering on what you've promised and then reporting on the impact and the investment's proven to make up a 75% difference in the likelihood on, on re- renewal. And, you know, even just the word thank you in fundraising is a 50% uplift in, in um, return donations just by saying the word thank you. Very good. And listeners, if you want to read through those steps, those approaches, Mark's thoughts uh, in slower time, just head along to sponsor.net, head to the resources section. 
and then go to the blog. And Mark, you're going to stay with us for the next part of the show. So we won't say goodbye. We'll just take a break. Thank you. See you in a minute. While fundraising is a long-established discipline for many charities, more and more sports rights holders have been activating fundraising initiatives, particularly in recent times, to impact positive change in their communities or help fund special projects like high-performance centres. Fundraising in sport, however, is still on a learning curve. Patrick Walker is the CEO of the Australian Sports Foundation. The ASF's mission is to help Australians fundraise to achieve their sporting dreams. Now, Patrick has a really strong background in finance, strong leadership skills and strategic skills, which he's gained in senior executive and CEO and board roles, both in Australia and internationally. As I mentioned at the top of the show, Mark Thompson also joins Patrick and I because Mark has had some very practical and hands-on experience also working in the fundraising space. Here's Patrick and Mark. Pat, welcome to Inside Sponsorship. We always start with a few easy icebreaker questions just to get into the flow of the chat, help the audience get to know you a little bit better. The Australian Sports Foundation is, as the name suggests, focused on sport. When you were growing up, which sport did you always dream of representing your country in? Well, that's an easy one, guys. It was soccer or football, as we poms call it. <laughs> And if you had to run out tomorrow and represent England in a sport and you got to choose that sport and actually had to go out there and compete, which one do you think you could survive competing in the longest before someone realised you weren't probably supposed to be out there? Well, I'd like to say there's a whole range I could pick from there, but I think it would be soccer again. So football football was always my number one sport as a player and as a fan. Now, you can't answer football to every single question that we have for you on the show, but you do have a strong background in accounting, finance. Can you share your pathway, your your job history up to now and working in the Australian Sports Foundation? Yeah, look, a bit of a diverse pathway, really. Started out my career uh, running my own business, uh, which was manufacturing and installing solar panels. Um, I chose to do that in Wales in the UK, which has no sun (laughs) and a lot of rain. uh, So that didn't last long. Um, And then came into uh, probably a more traditional career. um, And I joined uh, PricewaterhouseCoopers, PwC. Became a partner at PwC, uh, was a member of the leadership team for the tax practice in the UK. Came over to Australia to lead the Australian tax practice um, back in 2007. And uh, although that was initially a secondment, decided to, to stay because it's what a wonderful country to live in and, and make your living. You won't get any arguments here about that. The Australian Sports Foundation, what's its mission? Mission is quite simple, really. It's to raise money for sport. But beyond that, we have a, a broader vision, which is really to help create a healthier, more active Australia through sport. How does the ASF achieve that mission and has it changed much over the years since it first started? Yeah, look, it it has changed and it's constantly changing. Um, I mean, as I say, our our mission is quite simple. It's to raise money for sport. Uh, And the way we do that is is we're a, um, a forum or a channel for raising philanthropic money for sport. That's gifts from private individuals, from businesses and from trusts and foundations, philanthropists, all members of the community who love sport and who uh, can see the social and community benefits that sport brings to, to our nation and to our people. We're going to talk around finance a reasonable amount. I'm guessing that, before we dive too deeply into the topics, I'm guessing that the conversation probably comes with a caveat, uh, especially for those listening overseas, that what we talk about ahead is in the context of the Australian financial environment and that people should probably seek advice uh, and information relevant to their own economies. Is that true? Yeah, look, that's right in terms of the, the tax deductibility because, you know, one of the benefits that the Australian Sports Foundation can give is that we can give a tax deduction for donations to sport, but that is only a tax deduction in Australia. So any other territory, there would be um, a different tax rule. But the thing is uh, the benefits of sport, the philanthropic benefits of sport and the way you raise funds for sport, they're constant wherever you are. What's the current impact the ASF is having within the Australian market and how have the revenues to Australian sport grown as a result? Look, in one sense, significant. Um, So last year, $45 million was donated to Australian sport in partnership with the Sports Foundation. Um, Probably a better sense of how that's grown is last four years, we've raised over $150 million. 
the preceding four years, it was about $75 million. So we've more than doubled the amount of money donated to sport in the last four years. However, that's still only a tiny fraction of the amount of money donated each year in Australia. Literally, the amount of money donated annually is about $13 billion. So $45 million does not really represent the important role that sport plays to most Australians and to our society. Now, Mark, welcome back after your little break. Now, you've been involved with sports in the ASF as well, having been an employee there. How does fundraising fit into the wider commercial landscape of sport? And I'm particularly interested in how sponsorship and fundraising can coexist in in an organisation, but also what are the key differences? Yeah, I mean, so fundraising is a a diversification of, of revenue for sport, which is traditionally not been enhanced and and you know focused on well enough which you know i worked with patrick we actually joined the organization together and patrick led the leadership group where we transformed the australian sports foundation and took more of a commercial approach to the to the model and you know sport philanthropy and sports sponsorship essentially um you know are about raising money for the betterment of an organization philanthropy is more of a, a personal emotive kind of um, approach that doesn't have to come just from individuals it can come from um, organizations but it's for those organizations and individuals that are contributing their return on investment is more about impact and contributing to the betterment of an organization or a community whereas from a sponsorship lens you're investing in sponsorship to help utilize sport as a vehicle to achieve strategic outcomes for your business so it's you're still giving money to the one spot but one is more of a a kind of a impact on communities and you know a future emotive type of angle and the other being sponsorship is more using it strategically as a vehicle to to help grow your business and in organizations that do both have sponsorship have a commercial program and have uh, a fundraising element as well do those two parts of the business coexist well or do they bump heads a little bit or um they probably should i mean they, they should coexist better than they do and they but they can complement each other really well because i mean it's, often they come out of two separate funding pots philanthropy is more from the um, csr kind of budgets so the corporate social responsibility sponsorship coming traditionally out of marketing um but if you if you looking at both from a purely strategic angle they can actually help grow each other's impact so you know utilizing the marketing angle and the ip rights and things you get from sponsorship can help drive further change and greater impact off your philanthropic investments if you if you actually strategically align them both and actually rather than look at them as totally separate things mutually exclusive to each other if done correctly and strategically and, and set out as a, as a strategy from the outset, they actually can help each other's impact become stronger. And Patrick, off the back of that, not just playing nicely together in an organisation, what are the keys to success of a good fundraising organisation within sport? What makes a great fundraiser? A fundraiser or a fundraising organisation? Because they are different. Well, let's start with fundraiser and then we'll come back okay. to the organisation. So look, as a fundraiser, I think uh, there's a couple of key things that I'd look for. One is the ability to build relationships because a lot of it is relationship driven. Uh, and when I say build relationships, long term relationships that are deep and trusted. Um, and I think the second thing is the ability to tell a story. So fundraising is all about engaging your benefactor or your donor in the possibility of making an impact. And you do that through telling a story about what difference this donation or gift is going to make, what you're going to do with it, and how the world or your club or your sport will be a different and better place as a result. So storytelling and relationships. And the organisation, how does a great fundraising organisation support those efforts? Yeah, look, I often get asked this question, and Mark will remember that from um, from his days in, in the philanthropy space. It's no different really from any other successful part of a business operation you've got to have uh, support from the top so the board and ceo have to really support that fundraising is a core part of the business you've got to allocate the right resources to it so nothing happens without resources being had you've got to develop a plan and you've got to hold people accountable for implementing that plan you've got to have a timeline you've got to have kpis and targets And you've got to constantly reassess those because nothing runs absolutely according to plan. So you've got to be able to look and see what's working, 
do more of it what's working less well change it a little bit so i would say having been in business all of my life there's nothing in that that is any different from any other business operation that you run fundraising is just the same as long as you got the right people resource and support it'll work i think this question is probably best aimed at you mark patrick you can help answer it after mark's had a, a little <laughs> kick and a punch mark would you say that managing a giving or a fundraising program is easier to manage than a sponsorship program ah not at all um i mean the, the thing with with sponsorship is it's all tangible you've got a fixed bank of assets you can make up as many and you can slice and dice them as much as you want to, to create as many sponsorship opportunities as possible um but you have fixed costs against those you have um or, or managed costs against those and you have far more dedicated and historically um you know resource teams to help deliver that sponsorship it's it's more of an accepted part within business whereas um fundraising is is still a learning journey we're only just seeing now amongst sponsors clients um dedicated staff coming in utilizing our software to to manage you know foundation programs and things that that I know Patrick and the team there have been working on since since I was involved in getting those dedicated resource and business units up and running. But the other th- thing with fundraising is that the opportunities and the growth are unknown until you get to know your audience and you impact bed down your impact. And sometimes the the timelines are finite because as with anything, you need to have an urgency element. And if you're building a facility or you've got a tour or something, you've got a f- fixed window to raise money. Now, what happens after that? That's that's the challenge. You've got to keep evolving to, to maintain, to be successful, which is a very vast and, and unique skill set for often an individual running that element of the business versus having you know the ability to, to, to sell as long as your team exists. Patrick, what's your thoughts? You might not be able to answer. You may be able to, whether it's harder or easier to manage sponsorship or fundraising. But what a, maybe a better question is, do you see people struggling, as Mark mentioned, fundraising still sort of on a growth journey? Do you people see people struggling more with fundraising than they do with sponsorship? Or is it really just a different set of challenges that they face? Yeah, I think that's the best way to look at it. It's a different set of challenges. I don't think one is harder or easier than the other. I think where the sector in the industry is at the moment, that is fundraising in a sporting context, it's a bit of a learning curve for everybody. So they've been in sponsorship for a long time, so they know what to do, how to do it. It's well-oiled, and they've got organisations like Sponserve, you know, supporting them and providing them with, with platforms. Fundraising is a little bit newer, and so people are feeling and finding their way a little bit more. I think one of the things I'd like to come back on that Mark said is we both believe that fundraising should become a core revenue, a core and sustainable revenue for sport at, at whatever level. It doesn't matter if you're a grassroots club or a national sport or, or a professional club. So while there's importance in having campaigns like build a facility or you know a particular timeline, the trick really is that it's just got to be sustainable on an annual basis and be a recurring, recurring revenue stream. And that means you've got to provide that constant loop of feedback to your donors, what what you've done with their money, what difference is made and where you're going next in your journey. You have to bring them along on the journey with you. And I think that's what some sports are still struggling with. And and I'll just jump in there as well. I mean, sponsorship's tough unless you're getting the big broadcast and exposure revenues to, to target big companies. It's whereas whereas philanthropy can be really targeted emotionally at people that care about the organization you know they you know they might have grown up supporting a, a certain team in you know league one or league two of a of a sport which isn't isn't professional just by contributing and making sure there's a future for that organization their grandchildren who they might not ever meet can still have the chance of supporting that same organization it's it's a it's very much a, a growth and um you know personal impact journey as well is the key there that those people are less concerned about the eyeballs that their sponsorship or or their their money is going to get in front of correct it's it is a totally different strategic approach and that's where sponsorship and fundraising can work well hand in hand because there's probably in every organization if you're honest with yourself taking money from from sponsors that they're calling sponsors that are actually just donations, <laughs> right? They don't yes. care about the, yep. and they might be taking signage in an Australian context to be able to claim a tax deduction from. from it's a, a byproduct, expense, though, right? right? 
but they don't care about it. Yeah. If you free that board up, sponsorship can sell it to someone who really wants it. And you can then still, through the ASF, take the the donation dollar to the same amount and the company can still make the same tax deduction. It's, it's, it's a... It's a really a cohesive opportunity for organisations to to grow their revenue pot and their to, if they're honest with themselves, who is actually a sponsor and who is actually a donor. I wanted to come back to your point about sustainability, Patrick, and you, you being able to be rolled out those long term uh, relationships with people. Is is that because do organisations need to start with that and then apply it with campaigns rather than focusing their fundraising on campaigns and then trying to leverage that up into something that's sustainable? Look, I think you could do it both ways. What we find is most organisations, when they're entering this space for the first time, find it easy to have a particular campaign. There's a particular need. There's a particular urgency, whether partly created or, or natural. And they find that easier to galvanise support. And then what you do is sort of make that a long-term sustainable platform from that because as, as soon as people have donated to you they will donate again if you thank them properly and if you ask them again at the right time and in the right manner and if they've had satisfaction out of the donation that they've made by, by feeling good about the impact we'll stay with you and then we'll let mark answer this question patrick you obviously travel around you get to engage with lots of sporting organizations and their commercial teams and their wider management teams why do you think sponsorship people can make good fundraising people because by and large they've got the skills that i outlined at the start so you know sponsorship although it's a hard commercial proposition you give us this we'll give you these benefits it is still founded on relationships so i find that people who sell commercial sponsorship are good relationship builders secondly in a sporting environment they understand sport get sport talk the language so that really matters and then telling that story is just the little bit of extra sort of maybe help that a commercial sponsorship person um, needs to sort of think about and develop to move effectively into fundraising so it's just making that story more emotive and more engaging rather than about the commercial benefits once once that's clicked very good very good transition you've been on that transition mark sponsorship fundraising then fundraising in sport Back out into sponsorship, what do you think are the most transferable skills? What do sponsorship people make good fundraising people? Yeah, I mean, and current proof and point is Ryan Holloway at, at the ASF who works with Patrick who's moved, taken the exact same journey. Um, but, you know, on a global scale, this is applicable where sponsorship people are really commercially diverse. They, they sit in an organisation in a really central role and they will have exposure to high performance they will have exposure to community. They will have exposure to organisational governance and administrative practice just by nature of their role. So they're actually seeing the impact of what sponsorship can do across many areas of, of, of sport. And so therefore, they've got personal experience to draw upon when trying to craft stories that Patrick spoke about. So, and, and you know, you're not a good sponsorship professional if you can't maintain and build relationships. So you've got the, the base skills but you've also got a core of personal experience that you've seen, um, you know, impact of of sport deliver that you can then start to share and build into stories because authenticity is the, the probably one of the key, um, you know, attributes of a good story, right? And you don't, you, you, those people don't have a narrow view of their work. They, as you said, they touch on lots of different aspects of the yeah. organisation. We talk a lot about ROI and ROO in sponsorship. This is relatively easy to know how to report and deliver on i say relatively how can this be achieved within fundraising and why is it still important to focus on reporting to philanthropic philanthropic donors um i'll go first and patrick probably coming over the top with a, a much better answer but the <laughs> uh, i mean roi in fundraising is not about return on investment of the cash it's it's actually return on investment in in regards to impact so you know i've donated a hundred grand because i want to see a change or a, or a betterment of the organization i've donated to that betterment that betterment being achieved and then reported upon that gives me return on investment it's something i can report back to my board or to my organization to say we made a difference as an organ as, as a business in a in a company you know angle from a personal angle um, it's the same. I, I personally 
have made an impact or a change, impacted change because of my donation. Return on objective is more or less the same. I, this is what I want to achieve. Mm, it's a and, good point. And this is what I achieved. It's kind of the, the vehicle that you're choosing to, to donate or sponsor can, can help you achieve an objective. If fundraising can help re- achieve corporate or personal objectives the same way as sponsorship because you might be using it as a PR you know, piece. You might be using it just as a, to be seen as a good public citizen. Either way, fundraising for sport is, is what will help you achieve that, Patrick. Look, there is, uh, there is no better answer than that, Mark, because you <laughs> nailed it, and I, I would have said exactly the same thing. Possibly might have chosen a couple of words different, but no, I think uh, you nailed it. The thing I'd add there uh, to what a corporate or a business gets out of their philanthropy, um, the other thing that is really important now is employee engagement. So particularly when you're looking at, at millennials, they want to work for a company that does, does good things in the community and in society. And so a lot of the people we're talking to who are making uh, substantial corporate donations are doing it for that reason, to show their employees what they're doing in the community. They're not just there to make money and profit it's for the directors or shareholders it's actually about putting back into the community it's probably one of the top three drivers we hear when we're talking to to businesses people want to feel like they go to work and they're contributing and 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 their their work is meaningful not everybody actually gets you know to be able to do that in a pointed way does this help them do that be part of an organization where you know my my work day-to-day at my desk might not have that greater impact on the community but this organization is having an impact absolutely and i you know to to make it personal my daughter uh, works for apple right biggest biggest company in the world or one of the biggest companies in the world a a corporate behemoth a cash-making machine an unbelievable organization she loves their products but she also loves and comes back to to home to say look at this wonderful stuff we're doing every employee has to contribute this many hours in terms of volunteering to these courses we give out ipads to these charities you know she feels better about working for apple because of the things they do in the community patrick what's the difference between a philanthropic donor and a sponsor if they're both coming from a company if that money's coming straight from the 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 company's bank account because in in the form of or in the context of philanthropy the corporate doesn't get any commercial recognition by way of return and gets no tangible assets so in a commercial sponsorship deal as you'll know they might get signage seats tickets to matches ability to entertain clients or 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 whatever or customers Um, as a philanthropic donation the money is given and all all that the the donor business will have in return is acknowledgement simple acknowledgement thank you for your generous support um and coming back to the point i made the ability then to to tell those stories to their customers suppliers and employees about what they've done and how they've contributed to a better better community so there's no tangible reward in terms of telling those stories is that a major consideration in whether we might contribute to an organization's fundraising activities versus sponsoring them the major cons- it, it is a consideration but the major consideration is how they fit in with the company's objectives and their csr or corporate social responsibility objectives most companies now or businesses will have a few areas they really want to make a difference in it could be homelessness it could be youth education it could be um, promoting health so from a sporting context you'd want to look at uh, how what you can offer ties in with those objectives and so the company feels comfortable that they're getting the right social return in the same way as they'd feel comfortable they're getting the right commercial return for a sponsorship deal mark let's say you have a strong commercial strong sponsorship program and either you or someone else in your organization wants to fundraise is it kosher to let the fundraising element of the organisation approach the sponsorship element? So the, 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 the fundraising team, you've got all these corporate sponsors and they think there's great relationships there. We've been great at that over a number of years. Can't I just go and ask them for some money for fundraising as well? Is it kosher? And, and if it is, if your answer is yes, what tips do you have to make it a smooth approach? And if it's no, how do we gently palm the fundraising people? No, no, you need to go and speak to somebody else. Um, so generally you hear the latter. Um, and you see the latter, and we still do in, in what we're when we're talking to sponsorship teams, and I'm sure Patrick's team tells the same story. It's it really is a kind of a case by case scenario, though, Daniel. The um, some organisations will have clear different you know channels for marketing and CSR and different teams and things. So 
it's more uh, we're going to approach these people just to let you know can you maybe make get an introduction for us utilizing your relationships just like in any other sales environment if you're selling across departments at a at an organization um i would then say the hesitation would more come from a like a lack of knowledge so reassuring your sponsorship department that you're you're not there to take their money you're there to access a different pot of money and it could actually if we do this together can enhance both the sponsorship Mm. engagement but also the stickiness of that relationship as patrick said the staff engagement is one of the highest things if you're sponsoring an organization and then that staff are very proud of of contributing and being a part of that organization and helping make a change the the political um fallout from stopping the sponsorship element could could be catastrophic in the staff engagement piece it, it actually starts to create multiple layers of of impact across your organization because you're going to have marketing needs which are responded to via sponsorship but then you're undoubtedly going to have philanthropic needs and you know impact opportunity you know objectives and things like that that you can answer through csr there's definitely two ways of going about it um richmond football club in australia do it perfectly they've got organizations that do both and they work really well together i've been in multiple meetings where they're you know both elements of the business have been in there together they understand what each other are doing and it's a really important story that the sponsorship team tell when they're out there raising sponsorship dollars because of the you know the good community citizen the club is is the fundraising element of and we'll just stay with richmond as an example or in those situations where they do it well across both is the fundraising element more insured or protected against bad pr stories than sponsorship arrangements oh and that, that depends what the bad pr is if they're um raising money for indigenous communities and the bad pr is something related to indigenous it's going to be bad on both sides of the fence i, I think um Fundraising is more immune to on-field performance impacts that sponsorship that that sponsorship you know is exposed to. Sponsorship is is harder to sign sponsors if you are not performing well on the field than it is to raise philanthropic dollars. And and it helps raise that conversation above the we're just a professional sports team. We're an organisation for greater good in the community. Patrick, we'll start with you, and then we'll let Mark answer this one. What has been your favourite, maybe most innovative, maybe just great execution fundraiser in sport? Oh, there's so many to choose from, Dan. That's a that's a very good question. Look, I think uh, there's been lots of of uh, interesting and high profile uh, cases. The one that sticks to mind, if I could use the professional environment, um, AFL club Geelong Cats. We talked about Richmond already, but we'll talk about Geelong Cats. Um, raised around 12 million dollars in partnership with the australian sports foundation to rebuild their stadium and a, and a few other things and a lot of that came from wealthy benefactors businesses etc what they were very clever in doing was engaging their wider membership right at the end the final sort of dash to the line to raise the funds and what they did is said that every uh, fan supporter or member who uh, donates 250 dollars or more will get their name written into a jersey that they would then wear in one round of the uh, of the comp uh, and that's not a tangible benefit so the donors all got a, a tax deduction for their donations and then to supplement that they then offered the jerseys for sale for the normal price and of course which donor would not want to buy the jersey I'm getting two. that has their name on exactly so i think that was a really clever uh, idea um that has actually been picked up by a number of other clubs in different ways and a number of other sports actually so uh, we're, we're sort of sharing that idea as widely as we can that's good you're into marketing no you're not allowed to pick something that you've worked on no you can if you like <laughs> well that's from my fundraising experience that's going to be a bit hard um Look, I, I still think Netball Australia's Confident Girls program is the one that I've got the most um, out of because they have worked both individual donors, community donors across multiple platforms. Um, they're now spread into sponsorship as well. We so see. tell us a little bit about the program. What was yes. what was it focused on? And so it's 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 actually just about empowering women and and you know creating utilizing sport and the sport of netball um, to create confident girls they 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 saw that sport 
um, had a positive impact on the sort of emotional intelligence and confidence in young women and you driving netball to be the vehicle towards that and it wasn't the thing that i liked about the fundraising program is they raise a lot of money and and they do a great job it actually spreads now into their sponsorship program which we work with it's on it's sponsor but the um it's not just targeted at females it's actually targeted at you know dads that have young girls or brothers or um or the girls themselves and corporates and it's such a diverse program and it is entwined into every element of the netball business now uh, it's such a, a an important it's 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 its own business within a business isn't it patrick yeah it is i think that's been a great example of really making it long-term sustainable that is now a core part of netball's dna and it's i use the word commercial but broadest sense commercial operations the confident girls program is 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 here to stay so i think i'd agree that's a that's a great example there are loads of great charities patrick doing lots of great work in the community why is sport such a good cause or 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 better for people to consider donating to and supporting yeah look i think there's a there's a couple of things there people often don't realize until you tell them the social benefits of sport playing sport improves your physical health playing sport improves your mental health playing sport actually produces enhanced academic results better career outcomes playing sport is disproportionately helpful to women and girls there's been some um, academic research that showed that 96% of female executives CEOs or board members in top companies in the states played sport uh, when they were young particularly team sport and that's a far higher proportion than males and what that's showing is that actual playing a sport is building skills resilience decision making teamwork and leadership that stand females in particularly good stead in in what is still unfortunately largely a, a male world so what i'm saying is sport when you uh when you share and show how powerful sport is and the benefits it brings it becomes quite an easy decision to invest in and then you think about how important it is to the australians how important it is to australian dna every community in australia sport is at the heart of it so a healthy sporting community ranging right from the grassroots to the elite is vital to a to a socially well-adjusted and cohesive society great answer i absolutely love it we spoke earlier on in the show about how this is still a a relatively um, immature market it's still growing it's still it's still learning patrick what's the future do you think to this new addition in the commercial landscape of sport look i think the future is is definite growth and uh the reason i'm very confident about that is uh to look at the relative sizes of the market and this is something mark and i looked at very early on in our our Mm. shared journey into this this space the total annual sports sponsorship market in australia is around about 800 million dollars you guys will be across the numbers better than i am but corporate australia donates close to 10 billion dollars a year so 10 billion dollars a year is not getting very much focus from the sporting community at the moment whereas 800 million dollars a year is getting a a lot of focus and a a, a lot of resources thrown at it so for me once uh once sport wakes up to the fact that there's a big piece of the market there that they're not approaching it'll it'll get a lot more focus and a lot more attention so that's one of the pieces i see a growth on in corporate donations to sport in the years ahead and then the Sports Foundation has recently established a charity, and the sole purpose of that charity is to help philanthropists um, donate money to sporting causes from their ancillary funds, which are philanthropic wealth management vehicles. What about how sponsorship and fundraising are going to continue to work together? Iron out some of those kinks and get better at it, Mark. How's that going to work out in the next for in the for, for the foreseeable future? I oh, look. I think that that's it's. To, to be successful you're going to have to but there will be other there will be organizations out there that that might actually decide that fundraising is the vehicle for them in lieu of sponsorship i mean sponsorship's not the answer to everything and traditionally it is you you sit down even five years ago and your board will have a meeting and you're a million dollars short on budget and they'll just tell you to go find more sponsorship that's that's easy not, that's, that's actually not <laughs> It's not necessarily the answer now. It might be that fundraising is the path forward for your organisation, and so, or the or the bigger growth area in your organisation, and so resourcing should follow where those growth um, opportunities come from, rather than you know traditionally where the revenues come from. 
Patrick, if people want to get in contact with you, find out more about the Australian Sports Foundation, how they might be able to utilise it, what can they do? Well, the easiest thing, of course, in this age, jump on the website, sportsfoundation.org.au, or please flick me an email, patrick at sportsfoundation.org.au, and we'd be really happy to have a chat and uh, hopefully help guide them along their fundraising and philanthropic journey. Patrick Walker, CEO at the Australian Sports Foundation and, of course, Sponsors Managing Director Mark Thompson. Thank you both so much for taking us inside fundraising in sport. No worries. Thank you. When I get to this point of the show, I always feel like I'm about to say the same thing. That was a great chat, fantastic chat, really valuable. I don't know about you, but I quite often go into these with a bit of a preconceived idea about what the guest is going to share, and I'm always pleasantly surprised when they offer so much more great advice and insights, and I hope that is exactly how you finish each show as well, and particularly this one. So thanks again to Patrick and, of course, Mark for the chat. There was lots of interesting things to consider for sports rights holders in the fundraising space. Of course, if you're Australian-based, you should absolutely be getting in touch with the ASF and chatting about how they can help you achieve your fundraising goals. That's a wrap for episode 62 of Inside Sponsorship. I hope you loved it. And also, don't forget, if you'd like a shout-out, just get in contact and I'll make that happen for you. Really would love to hear from you. Or if you're a bit too shy, help make us feel special by leaving a review on iTunes. If you want to connect with me, you can do so on LinkedIn. Just search for Daniel Oyston or drop me an email at daniel at sponserve.net or on Twitter using the handle at sponserve. And if you want to connect with Sponserve's Managing Director, Mark Thompson, you can email him on mark at sponserve.net or also find him on LinkedIn. Don't forget you can follow us on Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter and Instagram. Just search for Sponserve. Until next time, I'm Daniel Oyston. Thanks for listening to Inside Sponsorship. for listening to the show for more episodes blogs and resources head to sponserve.net or search for sponserve on facebook twitter or linkedin